Welcome to Brand Agony. I'm Alan Black. Every episode, we use the soothing power of stronger language to solve a problem for a troubled marketing professional. Today, we're talking about standards, or to put it another way, how can you make sure your content is free from sloppy mistakes? To answer the thorniest of questions, I'm joined by as fine a collection of human spell checkers as you'll ever meet. Black Ad's Chris Tapley. Hello. Hello, Chris. Helen Selby. Hello. Hi, Helen. And Shan Ross. Hello. Hi, Shan. Hi, everyone. So, on to this week's letter, which comes from Derek in Glasgow. Dear Black Hat, I work in a team where all of us end up writing copy. The work is mostly good, but I'm forever finding typos, strange punctuation, and a lack of clarity in the writing. I've brought it up with them countless times, but it keeps happening. How can I get the team to raise the standard? Yours, tortured by carelessness, Derek. So thanks for the letter, Derek. Uh, Quality control is a constant battle. Luckily, it's one that we've fought quite a few times before. So we've got a fair bit of advice, I think, to help make the job a little easier. As always, we'll tackle the issue in three steps. Diagnosis, treatment, and staying healthy. So first off, to uh, to diagnosis, which I know the, the Black Ant team always enjoy, uh, as I just clear my throat, as, as ever, and snap on the rubber gloves. <coughs> Go. Always disturbing. Shan, <laughs> um, Derek's talking about quite a wide variety of quality control problems here. Is there one single unifying cause behind all of this? Yeah, it sounds to me like Derek's team might see the proofreading process as a bit of an afterthought. Hmm. Um, This is pretty common. Proofing gets sidelined as some kind of luxury, but arguably it's the most important part of the content process. We'd say something like 90% of writing is in the rewriting. Um, And that's about more than just catching the typos. It's about reading everything in context, checking it's clear, um, you know, looking to see if it all makes sense. You mentioned quality control, Alan, and that's exactly what it's there for. Mm. So maybe a shift in perspective is what's needed here. Did Derek's team think their first draft is their final draft? You would hope not, wouldn't you? Um, A good content production process has a bunch of steps between initial brief and published content, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So maybe the team members aren't sure what's expected of them at each point, and that's why things are getting missed Mm. and skipped. Yeah, maybe. You know, Derek could break down the task a bit more clearly and, you know, talk to his team about what steps he wants them to take at each point. Because asking someone to just check check a piece over, that there's too much room for interpretation in that. So it's much better to actually, you know, get into the nitty gritty of what you want them to look for. Yeah. Um, because even a quick proof, it isn't as simple as lots of people think. And a lot of the time it's not quick either. Yeah, that this this I kind of slightly uh, triggers me on the thought of uh, anything being quick or just hey, let's jump on a call. Uh, a call's going to take forty five minutes, isn't it? A proofread is not going to take a minute. It's going to take a little bit of time to do properly. So you know, let's not let's not dismiss it by 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 just shoving it in as a, a swift kind of final kind of if we've got enough time thing. Um, mm. It's a really underappreciated uh, you know part of the process. Uh, but it is that 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 one thing that you can do that saves a horrible embarrassment, like you know, getting the client's name wrong or a, the wrong phone number on a on a radio ad, or you know, the, you know, the, like lots of other issues that could happen um, that will embarrass the hell out of you. It's it's crucial that we that we pay a bit of respect to it. Anything else, yeah. Helen, that we need to consider here? Yeah, I'm just like nodding my head as you guys are talking because I think shining a light on proofing is really great, but. I think as well, people need to have pride in their own work. So they need to want the work to be as good as it can be. And that really comes down to the culture. So is there a sense here of, oh, well, that'll do amongst the writers? Because it's that lack of care 
that's where the errors could be stemming from. So that's something you need to fix right now. Otherwise, the typos are just going to keep coming. Yeah, and and certainly it's, it's something that I've uh, I've sniffed in different uh, you know agencies and different clients over the years. This the sense of a little bit of carelessness breeds a little bit more carelessness, and so the cycle goes on. And it's mm. just accepted that that's how we do things here, and it's fine. Eh? Who needs to do it any better? Um, mm-hmm. But with a, a kind of reasonably. You know, well, I suppose the question is, do you need a sort of a typo reign of terror to fix that? Or can you go in and be a little bit more positive and jolly and inclusive? What do you reckon? Yeah, I I think he can fix this with a positive approach, you know, but it's not something you can just knock out of your writers. You know, it's a gradual process. No no cattle prod then, no? Sorry? No cattle prod then. No, unfortunately not. That's not going to work. But like, it shouldn't be about fear mongering or shaming people who've made mistakes because you're never going to eliminate every error. And um, that's not what it's about. It's it's more about developing an environment in which people really want to push themselves and they really want to take that extra care of their output. Yeah, it, it would make me really worry. I, I mean, I was making the joke about the cattle prod um, and it's kind of serious joke because you don't want people cowering away from writing or cowering mm. away from, you know, being the proofreader because if you put that much uh, onus on people and you, you create this culture of fear, then nobody's going to want to proofread anything. Nobody's going to write anything, totally. um, which is not great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, anything that you think might be at play here? Yeah. I think Helen makes a great point about the culture being important. Quite often, mistakes or, or just work that fails to live up to a certain quality standard is put down to either individuals not paying attention or or lacking ability but it can be more often about the environment mm. that they're working in the sloppiness often comes not from bad attitude but from practical issues like time constraints mm. so are your writers just stretched to capacity because that's when tasks like proof in that are often as we've said incorrectly considered less important starts to just get sped through or skipped altogether and that's when you start to see these big issues in the final work Mm. just because people are simply too busy to read over a second third time while they've got a pile of other jobs waiting to be tackled so i think it's important that you kind of look beyond the errors themselves and kind of analyze the environment that they've come from yeah i I think i've got a feeling we might come back to this sense of uh, being stretched uh bit later on. So we've got a few different takes here on what could be causing this issue for Derek, which uh, leads us to naturally the the treatment room. So I'm just going to open up the bottle. uh, Actually, you know, you know, just for those who want to see the behind the scenes of making of the podcast, it's actually a pair of Brackad maracas that we use for that. Um, (laughs) Shan, uh, what are the treatment options for Derek? Um, It sounds like Derek's team could benefit from a smarter structure for the content Mm. process, um, the content production process. As I was saying before, dividing tasks up into subtasks can really help with that. So instead of just saying write blog, which is massively vague, you can break it down into subtasks like write the brief, research the content, create the outline, refine the structure, write the first draft, write the second draft. Yes, you've now got 10 tasks instead of just one, but you've actually simplified the process because you've removed the temptation to do several things at once. And it's when you do that, that the mistakes creep in. Mm. Um, so for example, if someone writes a first draft and edits it in one session, when they edit it, they're likely to miss gaps in the narrative or, you know, they knew what they meant. So they won't realize which arguments don't quite hold up on the page. Um, but by breaking it down into a series of smaller steps and doing them 
with a bit of space between them, the writers can get enough distance from their work to be able to improve it. Um, so top tip from me, write a first draft one day um, and then leave reviewing and editing it to a day or two later because it will make the final piece significantly better. Yeah, it's amazing how, how pleased we can be with ourselves at half past five on a, on a Friday and think, that's great, I've nailed it. And you come to look at it Monday morning and things look a little bit different. Um, and that, that's a good <laughs> thing. That's actually a really yeah. positive thing because it, it helps push you on and, and recognise what good looks like. Um, when it comes to the the, the, the actual proofreading process um so the things like you know those checking for the obvious blips like typos checking for things like fudged clarity are there any techniques any tools that are are particularly good at working that through yeah there's loads of options um having a checklist is a good idea if your team is prone to rushing through proofing and it'll just make them take it a step at a time and keep them focused on what they're looking for Mm -hmm. um I mean, we've all used Microsoft Word spell check, um, you know, the grammar check on there, or if you work in Google, Google's built-in proofing. And the text definitely improved there, but it's still insanely unreliable. You know, we find we end up checking our, you know, our real dictionaries, um, you know, a lot, at least a couple of times every day. Um, I think the main issue with that tech, it sees mistakes where there aren't any, and it doesn't have the ability to go beyond you know, the basics, the typos, um, and hit things like the nuances and the brand tone, or at least it doesn't yet. So, you know, your team really needs to build up their own proofing ability and then layer the tech into that um, as a tool to help. Um, And that's only really when the tech can become really useful. If you forgive me an analogy, uh, it's a bit like, say, you know, recording studio technology. So if you give Beyonce, you know, a a Pro Tools rig, uh, in, a, in a really good studio and give her things like auto-tune, she'll use them to build on her already fantastic vocal skills and she'll create something amazing. But if you give those same tools in that same studio to somebody who likes to belt out um, Come On Eileen in the shower, um, you're not going to get much more than a really well-recorded mess. Um, so, you know, there is something about knowing knowing how the, the kind of creative process works so that you can use the tools appropriately. There's something in that, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that there aren't tools within Word that are useful. Mm. We use the read aloud feature that's in there. Um, And again, we don't rely on it, but it just is good for drawing your attention to things that you might want to take a second look at. Um, The human brain's incredibly talented at seeing what makes sense rather than what's actually in front of you, um, which, you know, that skill has its uses, but not really improving um, because it means our brains fill in the gaps when we read our own work because we know what we meant. Um, So if there's a missing word in there, you likely won't see it. You'll just imagine that it's there because you expect it to be. Um, But hearing the words read aloud, that kind of short circuits that process because, you know, you the sound doesn't match what you're reading on the page, so it draws your attention to it. Um, it's suddenly obvious. There's nowhere for it to hide. Yeah, so at this point, I'm, I'm almost half tempted to, to spark up uh, Microsoft Word and and, and gonna hear what it says, but I'm going to do an impersonation of what it sounds like a little bit. So <laughs> he's got this. You can choose different voices, but the one I like is the English voice, who sounds a little bit like this. Um, and it, when it's reading things through, it will say, it's really hard to spot a missing word in own work. So you can immediately spot that the word your is missing. So oh, in own work, oh, that should be in your own work. Oh, crikey, I'm going to fix that. Um, similarly, those little typos that are really easy to make, like it's really easy to substitute in 
as in it is in the middle of the night as opposed to on on the table. It's really easy to substitute those two words because I and O are right next to each other on the keyboard. Um, things like as well, four, there are four different ways to approach this as opposed to four, I'm looking for a new way to fix this problem. Uh, those are really easy to, to kind of transpose as well. So um, it yeah, spots that. It's a really great tool and it's also great for hearing when your rhythm's a little bit off. Mm. Um, again, that's something that's really hard to spot in your own work because you know how you intended it to sound. Yeah. Um, so yeah, much better than reading it in your head. Um, something else we do is peer reviews, always peer reviews. So Derek, if you don't already get your team to proof each other's work rather than reviewing their own, because fresh eyes are so much better at spotting mistakes and picking up anything that doesn't quite make sense. Mm. Yeah, so we've got at least one big positive step that we could be making here to stop those or to catch those errors but if you wanted to kind of cut them off at the past so they don't happen in the first place Helen anything else that we could be doing here yeah so I, I think it goes back to, to creating a culture of excellence so a place where writers really care about their work you know and they're, they're naturally doing all they can to weed out those mistakes in the first place so here's a hard unyielding truth right so typos are always going to get through but if you focus on the culture, you can cut down on them and you can really elevate the standard of the work as a whole. Um, but, you know, of course, that's that's pretty easy to say. But changing the culture of a workplace isn't that simple. No. Um, some, some people, I think, would say that your team either have it in them to set high standards for themselves or they don't. But I disagree with that. I think a lot is derived from surroundings. So do they feel that their work is valued, for example? And if they don't, then find ways to make sure that they do. Mm, okay. Um, anything else, Helen, that, that Derek can maybe use or do that will help his team make this shift? Um, well, I think it's about having some vital conversations. So how is Derek talking to the team about these errors at the moment that he keeps finding? So a couple of things like just fixing errors for the team without discussing them isn't going to help. And neither will going in really hard on people. I think you need to lead by example and you need to try to understand why they're getting this stuff wrong in the first place. So you can add suggestions to the document, but make sure you explain your thinking and then ask the writer to take another look and check that those suggestions you've made make sense to them so they don't make those same mistakes again. So they're not just going through and ticking and saying, yeah, whatever, you know, they're actually reading it and getting their heads around it. And if they don't understand it, they should ask you. You should be creating an environment where they feel like they can do that. And this is a win-win situation because the team is learning and the output of the work is improving as well. So it's a collaborative effort. You know, you're not a teacher marking their work. You're just a colleague working with them to create something really great. But you might need to just show them what great looks like first. Yes, yeah, much more about being a coach, I think. Um, this idea of creating yeah. an exemplar um, and with the exemplar come the instructions on how to create it. Uh, mm -hmm. This is how good we need to get and this is what, we need to do to make that happen, which is the opposite mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, hey guys, the work's done, it's in the folder, see you tomorrow. Um, yeah. it, it, there's definitely something about, you know, showing people how it's done rather than just making the corrections and publishing it, which is just a terrible idea. Um, totally. it, it, and the other thing that, that I think about this is that if if somebody is, is creating work and then, and they know it's not, up to the standard or they, they know they haven't created gone through all the steps like proofing the thing at the end and they send that to a colleague for you know publishing sign off whatever that to me is a real sort of disrespectful thing to do 
Um, it's like, red flag, yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, it's like well, is it the, your colleague's job to spot your you know sloppy mistakes? Shouldn't you be trying to spot them first? Um, mm. It's not to say that you can't have little things that that will creep through, and of course everything can be made a little bit better, but it should be at a standard before it goes to that that colleagues. And otherwise, you like I say, I think you're being a bit disrespectful of that person's time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Helen's Helen's view here, Chris, I think. Um, it sounds like it kind of neatly sort of ties in with your approach as well and your view of, of, of how this should be tackled. Yeah, definitely. I think we need to get away from the errors in the finished piece and think more broadly about how the content team functions. And then you can start to understand how we've ended up in this place where things aren't reaching the standards that Derek wants them to reach. Um, I think maybe you start off by asking your team to do some sort of anonymous survey about you know how they do things, how they feel about the processes for for content writing, the approach that you take, and feedback you know proof and protocols if if there are any. By asking them, you might start to uncover some of these underlying causes that are contributing to these flaws further down the line. Mm. I would bet that one of the things that comes out of that that survey would be this feeling that they're pressed for time, that proofing is not yes. something they can make space for in their day. Um, so then you need to look at how you're monitoring and allocating resources across the team. So does Derek know what percentage capacity each of those writers is working at day to day, what they're working on? You kind of need to understand this before you can see where things might be going wrong. Yeah, my guess would be that, that Derek probably doesn't have those systems in place yet. So thinking of that task of managing resource, practically, what does that look like? What, what, what should Derek be considering here? Production management is probably the, the short answer, like the kind of classic timesheets and scheduling approach. Um, I know that a lot of uh, people might feel like they're being watched a little bit too closely when they're asked to fill in timesheets, particularly in busy environments where there can be quite an intense focus on productivity and, and getting jobs out the door you don't want to make things more pressurized than no. they already are so maybe a more casual option uh, would be to just have a daily stand-up meeting with the team it helps to kind of reallocate tasks if someone's feeling a bit overstretched and it gives everyone a chance to talk about any concerns that they might have okay open up those conversations it gives everyone a bit of a, a bit of a safety buffer just you know they know there's going to be a chance each day to rebalance their work code get a bit of support from the team if they need it and suddenly this idea that there's there's just no time for giving it a second read or elevating a little bit it becomes a lot less valid yeah it just squashes that whole way of thinking really doesn't it um yeah and, and as a little aside we use a production management process and we use a daily stand-up. We, we think both are, are really vital. Um, the, the other thing is that, you know, it's not really just about, you know, focusing on why the hell is that comma in the wrong place? You know, let's get this right next time. Or why is that sentence structured the wrong way around? Okay, so you might want to call that out in a more polite and helpful way when you're doing the review, but really it's how you deal with it and how you move it forward and what good looks like rather than just like, you know, kicking people, um, you know, for, you know, making an error. That's that's never going to get you anywhere. Um, and I think, you know, we've got some good ideas coming through so far about how we might actually fix this. So I think moving now on to the final part, which is uh, our kind of keeping Derek healthy. So, um, Shan, I was going to ask you, if you don't mind, uh, if you could step up to the uh, 
Leichhardt's Sting Healthy Harp podium. Um, okay. Okay, you ready? Yep. Ready to give it everything you've got? How was that? <sighs> no words, Shan, no <laughs> words. Um, Heart and soul. Moved, Heart and soul. Absolutely moved. Um, <laughs> okay, so thinking about, you know, what, what Derek's needing, uh, needs from us, um, what can we do to help him take our suggestions for treatment and develop them in the future, into the future to, to stop these proofing nightmares happening? Make proofing a focus for training. Um, so Derek should get his whole team to commit to getting better at it together. Um, that could mean proofing workshops just as easy as getting everyone together and talking about ways that they can make work better so that everyone's learning from each other and even maybe pairing up the best writers with the less experienced ones. And that creates an environment where they can share knowledge in a way that feels helpful rather than critical. Mm, Yeah. That that sort of idea of building a sense of a team. Um, Although maybe to kind of um, the more cynical ears, that sounds a little bit um, kind of happy clappy. It actually kind of is the, it is the answer here at least a part of the issue, this idea of uh, making sure people are open to getting help when they need it and uh, not feeling under pressure and feeling that there's a kind of a, a collaborative moving forward and that the quality is kind of moving forward because of collaboration. Um, yeah. Any other tips from you, Helen? Yeah, I think just off the back of that, really, it's, it's about setting the standards. So show them what great looks like and then make sure you praise content that hits that good standard as well so you could even do something fun like have a best piece of the month prize to motivate the team i think a bit of friendly competition always helps yeah um it's all good stuff those kind of classic Mm. things again people can be perhaps a little bit wary of um if you involve the team and you set the prizes as something fun rather than something kind of like you know it's a thousand pound bounty maybe that's going too far (laughs) but maybe you know like cinema tickets or like a meal out or like a kind of a fun a fun little gift or something like that or or even just like you know they don't have to make coffee all day you know it could be something like that (laughs) just glory yeah it could be something really (laughs) simple um you know anything like that that just essentially puts a focus on it but does it in a way mm-hmm. that feels positive i think that that's that's really sound uh chris anything yeah. else you'd like to add yeah i think it's just building that positive sort of environment and letting people know that there's support there if they need it okay. um opening up the conversation so having those check-ins once a, once a day once a week whatever you want and just you know get, giving people that uh that chance to to share their their views Okay, so Chris, what I'm hearing is needing support when you when you need it, and uh, you know having a manageable workload. Chris, is there something you want to tell us on the podcast today? If we, if we you know, who hurt you? You know, I, I don't think this is the forum for okay. that conversation. Okay. Okay. Just as long as you're not we'll too take, busy. Right. Okay, we'll take this offline. Okay, uh, <laughs> discussion, openness, encouragement all seem to be the keys here, and these seem to be the way that, that we can create this more positive culture and an environment where great work can happen. And when people feel supported rather than monitored or under the microscope, they've got that, that that chance to take a little bit of extra pride in the work and they're doing it for themselves rather than doing it for kind of any other reasons. And that's how you, I think, achieve better standards, Derek. Uh, so I think it's over to you now to start those conversations and encourage your team to hit those higher standards. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon using stronger language to cure another listener's brand agony. For more on brand language, messaging, content training and tone of voice, visit blackad.co.uk.